Welcome to episode 5 of the 18th Shadow Radio. This is your author and narrator, John Lee Grafton. The 18th Shadow, Phase 1, Dawn of the Courtesan, Chapter 1.5, Why Don't the Eyes Work? November 2079, two years, 11 months before event. Hello, everyone, and welcome to day two of Behavioral Mod for Alcohol Addiction. Has everyone had a chance to fill out their IRS hollow docs? All of the patients in the group, save the stoic Afghan physicist, nodded painfully. Nurse Fossbender continued at a standard chirp. As we all know, recreational drug use is North American as apple pie. We all like to get blended from time to time, right? She pressed her hands into her hips and winked knowingly at a thin, bird-like woman in the chair nearest. I know I certainly like to dab a vape at the end of the day. Sometimes, too. The bird woman and half the group chuckled, as if on cue. The nurse brought her finger up and waggled it in front of her face. The twelve steps division make clear, she pointed towards the hollow poster. We have to treat the privilege to use Jane responsibly. As just that, a privilege. It's a privilege that can be taken away if we make the wrong decisions. She tented her fingers and took another step towards the center of the room. We all know the negative effect that alcohol has on our lives. I don't have to tell a single one of you. You're here, right? The nurse jiggled coyly. She delighted at the sound of her own voice ricocheting off the walls. The twelve steps to vision are here to guide us because of the courage and innovation of the architect. The architect stood up for our right to be free from oppression. A hundred years ago, alcohol was beating our society down. In the 20th century, close to half a million people perished each year from alcohol-related deaths. That's in the antique United States alone. Solar power, wind, hydroelectric, fusion... We had none of these things in any capacity that mattered. We ravaged the land with hydraulic fracturing and cotton production leached the nutrients from our country's soil. In fact, the nurse clicked her tongue audibly against the roof of her mouth. A hundred years ago, regular citizens like you and me could actually be put in jail for making clothes or fuel from industrial hemp, let alone vaping or growing recreational Jane. It was a barbaric time. She liked to pause at this point in the speech for dramatic effect, letting the final sentence be absorbed. Newbies in behavioral mod were always shocked when they thought about their ancestors going to prison for smoking marijuana. Nurse Fossbender cocked her head to one side, cueing the group to higher contemplation. Today, of course, we live in the benevolent North American Union. We have no carbon pollution, no ravaged soils. We've advanced as a conscious people. In addition to progressive environmental reforms, the architect also realized the need for healthy recreational stress reduction through drug use. So, at the dawn of the revolution in the interest of the American species, we replaced environmentally toxic sources of food and energy with those that nurture our communities. We also replaced historically toxic alcohol with safe, non-addictive, and environmentally harmonious marijuana. We treat people with alcohol addiction syndrome. We don't lock them up in a prison. Can you imagine? Of course, it's this last topic that brings you here today. 
She winked at the bird woman, who smiled back complacently. Nurse Fossbender extended her arms to the group as though exposing her prodigious bosoms in an open invitation for children to suckle. About seven people were actually paying attention. The rest sat with heads and hands or propped forward with their elbows on their knees staring at the floor. The nurse's glance at last landed on patient 373B. Her face lost its sunny disposition. The young woman was not paying attention, reading a printed newspaper. Unacceptable. She would make these people love vision. Especially this insolent little brat from California. Tara Dean let her eyes roll quickly around the meeting room as soon as she sat down. What a collection of ass monkeys. The room was hospital blue with beige carpet. Who combines blue and beige? The ceiling was white, LEDs overhead making the space unnecessarily bright. As bright as beige can get. Tara made note of the windows. They were old, plastic frame efficiency windows that would be easy to put a boot through. However, the padlocked iron gates outside would make escape from this particular room impossible. The floor nurse running the beam-on meat had bulbous eyes and a bulbous ass, bulbous tits. In fact, the only thing non-bulbous about the woman was her canary-like voice. She was droning off the usual federal talking points about how drinking liquor means the end of civilization. At least Tara assumed she'd arrive at that conclusion soon enough. She'd heard this script last time, and any time a Marlboro Gold E-Joint commercial pushed to the holostream. Ugh. She was bored beyond bored. She noticed a newspaper underneath her chair. Tara leaned over and picked up the Lawrence Journal World, print edition, November 14th, 2079. The recycled hemp paper was bleach bright white. As the B-Mod floor nurse ran down her bullet points, Tara flipped the paper open and began reading a cover story on the left-hand column. Cybernetic coyotes cause interstate accident. Two dead. Your 10-cent federal news. By Martin Ringel, LJW. Lawrence, Kansas. Last night at 2.17 a.m., Hub semi-pilot Melvin Coolidge pinged the Hubway patrol from the shoulder of Interstate 70, stating that his 18 propeller had been forced into a ditch after colliding with an unknown, heavy object. The Hub semi's stern cams captured a single dog-like animal, impacting the trailer section of the rig. Mabel and Phyllis Austin of Kansas City, 22 and 24 years of age, were killed, when the animal bounced off the trailer and skidded directly into the path of their vehicle, a 2067 Ford Flotar, a late-model vehicle unfortunately not equipped with collision sphere tech. The Hub Semi surveillance stream also showed a glowing blue eye in the animal's head for two holoframes, supporting the assumption that these are, indeed, the legendary cybernetic coyotes involved in the Dark Pool Labs massacre. Unfortunately, the creature involved in the accident has not been discovered, and neither have any of its packmates. A platoon of National Guard security cyborgs from Fort Riley is currently scouring the countryside for clues as to where the coyotes came from, where they went, and why, after so many years, they have come out of hiding. Whether this accident was a fluke, or the first of many feral cyborg sightings to come, we do not know. Services for Mabel and Phyllis Austin will be held this coming Saturday at All Souls Unitarian Church on the Plaza in Kansas City, Missouri. 
State troopers have reported that a mason jar containing alcohol residue was found in the Austin sisters' vehicle. Per guidelines, federal life insurer payments to the Austin family will be reduced by 60%, since it is assumed illegal drugs may have contributed to the accident. A fundraiser for Phyllis Austin's two-month-old daughter will be announced by the family in the coming days. Thank you for reading today's Tencent Federal News. Sponsored by Ford. Tara rolled her eyes as she read the article's final sentence. The news always blows dark sky. She dropped the paper noisily to one side of her chair, sighed, and looked around. The Beemod nurse's calves were disproportionately enormous. Why was this bitch mean-mugging her like she was a medium-rare petri steak? They were uneasy eyes, diluted by obsession. Tara sensed fury and misdirected lust. The nurse could only be in her early forties, but she dressed like a grandma cougar on her way to knock out a few rounds of floatboard at the geriatric plantation. Tara wished she had a tablet and stylus so she could draw this monster while she was forced to sit there and listen to her babble. Personal holotabs, along with joy, were not permitted in BMOD. Tara sighed and dreamed of California. Back in New Riverside, she would take her lunches in Millennium Ocean Park, sitting on a bench and watching the constant flow of citizens up and down the boardwalk. She would pull out her tablet and sketch quick flash impressions of any interesting character who passed. A man in his fifties, hairy as a bear, hovblading by in a purple speedo wearing tube socks. Lovely. The homeless bag women who lived under the Mockingbird Canyon overpass, shuffling their old-school shopping carts with the actual wheels clank-clank-clanking, along with mines full of plastic bags and tobacco smoke, their whole lives contained in a wire shoebox on wheels. It was brilliant, an endless, free parade of entertainment on display. She sat on the bench every day the cloud cedars allowed, eating synth chicken salad and a hydro apple, and illustrating an ongoing library of 30-second snapshots for her sketch files. Tara wiggled her toes with excitement as she thought of her illustrations on display. She had her first solo exhibition scheduled for first Friday in January at the Open Cow Gallery, above Doragon Tattoo Studios, where she worked. She would be displaying 193 holograms of these character sketches, each culled from a year of boardwalk lunch breaks. Tara's exhibition was titled, Watch Out for People Watching Out for You. Back in Lawrence, Kansas, she had nothing to watch, no holotab to sketch on. Nothing but the sad faces of BMOD patients, eyes moping, and the amazingly hideous shoes and mind of this floor nurse. Tara wondered if the woman color-coordinated her outfits intentionally. She wore a wedding ring, so at least one other person was responsible for letting this aesthetic travesty walk out the door. The tidal rolls of flesh that poured over the nurse's waistline were concealed from direct view by a blue and green checkered blouse featuring oversized orange buttons that cued with her orange clogs. Her breasts were large enough to generate their own gravitational field, while also being saggy enough to require a nano-reinforced aluminum bra. And that skirt. Is that cyan? The color of a sour, polluted ocean made of synthetic leather. Ugh. If you want to wear leather, wear it. Don't buy the fake stuff. The skirt was made of a common synth leather produced from hemp and a plastic polymer. It was too tight. Stockings too tight. The nurse's whole life too tight. And here came her awful attention once more, eyes scanning Tara twice as long as any of the other patients. 
She hates me. And if she hates me, the eyes won't. Crap. After her introductory speech, which always made Nurse Fossbender glow on the inside, the woman moved on, precisely at minute five, to the greetings and admittance stage of the BMOD rehabilitation meeting. Tardine thought the nurse sounded like a parrot being strangled. Since we're all here for the same reason, well, with the exception of me, of course, the nurse curtsied playfully and tossed her wiry hair, causing the flesh beneath her neck to wriggle anew. We're going to move on to the meet and greet for our three tardy members. As I said to the rest of you yesterday, the first step in dealing with alcohol addiction is to admit that you have a problem. So, she turned her head to look at the Afghan man, who stared at the far wall as if in a trance. Together, we're going to help you to do just that. She clutched the holotab in her lap like it was a weapon. I'm going to come around the room and shake each of your hands so we can all be friends officially. After I say, hi, I'm Marlene. I want each of you to say back, hello, my name is, and I'm an alcoholic. Sound good? Tara looked at the red-headed man beside her, formed her right hand into the shape of a gun beneath her chin, and smiled as she pretended to blow her own brains out. Melky O'Brien laughed heartily. Well, the nurse's voice cut the laughter. Since you find things so funny, sir, we'll start with you. She lumbered towards Melky O'Brien, her outfit squeaking. O'Brien's expression soured. This was not Nurse Fossbender's first rodeo. She had dealt with plenty of troublemakers. Patient 373B was no different. The key would be to make the rest of the patients single her out as an obstacle to their quick, easy passage through BMOD. Nurse Fossbender knew that all these people wanted to do was get out of the hospital as quickly as possible, with as little embarrassment as possible. In the time it took her to walk 13 steps across the therapy room to where Mr. O'Brien was seated, eyes on Tara Dean the whole time, she decided that she hated the girl. Passionately. The emotion was crystal in its purity, like the time she poisoned her neighbor's yowling cat. Of course, no one wants to hear about that. Nurse Fossbender stepped decisively in front of Melky O'Brien's chair and extended her hand. Tara noted the woman's nail polish was the same awful orange color as her shoes and buttons. Hi, I'm Marlene Fossbender. Melky O'Brien extended his enormous, freckled mitt hesitantly. Hi, we met early in my room. I'm Melky O'Brien. Nurse Fossbender laughed gaily. I know your name, Mr. O'Brien. Remember, this is the first step to getting sober, admitting that you have a problem, so you would say... She cocked her head towards the man and raised her eyebrows expectantly as though the firefighter was a five-year-old struggling with arithmetic. Lines of frustration crossed the nurse's brow, as the voice she heard next was not Mr. O'Brien's, but rather Tara Dean's. You don't have to say anything, buddy. Not a damn single word. Nurse Fossbender's voice broke with anger for the first time. Miss Dean, is it? Please be respectful. It's time for Mr. O'Brien's admittance statement, not yours. For the record, she turned to the group, we do have to admit that we have a problem. If you didn't have a problem, why else would each of you be sitting in an alcohol reform hospital? The silent majority nodded in pitiful agreement. Melky O'Brien looked around, nervous. Okay, okay, yeah, I get it. You don't have to say dick, said Tara defiantly, staring at Nurse Fossbender. 
The nurse parted her lips, but the man beat her to the punch, turning briefly to Tara, then back to the nurse. It's cool, miss. Really is. My name's Melky O'Brien. I'm a fireman for the city of Lawrence, and I'm an alcoholic. He turned to Tara Dean and smiled wanly. See? Not so bad. I'm an alcoholic. Yeah? Tara Dean took pride in her eye-rolling ability. She was so perpetually unimpressed with the world that she privately feared her eyes might one day roll back into her head and disappear forever. She folded her arms over her chest and rolled her eyes away from Melky like a practiced thespian, uttering one word. Ugh. Excellent, chimed Nurse Fossbender. You've taken an important first step today, Mr. O'Brien. She tapped a notation on her holotab, nodding at the man. Good job. Then the nurse turned her attention where she really wanted it. Patient 373B. She took a step to the right and stood directly in front of the girl's chair. She extended her hand graciously and donned a gratuitous half-smile. Hello, I'm Marlene Fossbender, and you are... Tara Dean threw her head back. The black hair sticking out beneath her baseball cap swung over her shoulders. Every eye was on her. She did not unfold her arms or extend her hand. Instead, she smiled, lips pouting as she said breathily, Hi, I'm Tara Dean. My mother's a trapeze artist, and my father juggles beavers at a circus in the sky. Oh, and little old me, well, I'm just another victim of the war on booze. She cocked her head and looked irreverently at Nurse Marlene Fossbender with a wink. That about what you were looking for, Orca? Melky O'Brien whistled under his breath. The whole room chuckled uncomfortably. Nurse Fossbender grew red in the face. Ah, good. She glanced at the rest of the patients, clutching her holotab with swollen fingers. There's one in every group. She turned back to Tardine. I've never liked the phrase, war on booze, dear. It has such reprehensible connotations. I prefer to think of it as a public health initiative for freedom. Tardine drew her legs into the chair, hugged her knees, and glared back. How does freedom involve locking people up? We live in a democracy, young lady. You know what that means? I might be drunk, but I'm not retarded. The nurse was unfazed and cackled on. That means the health of the many outweighs the selfish needs of the few. She turned with self-importance to address the class. Alcohol has been outlawed for almost 40 years for a reason. It destroys brain cells, poisons the liver, incites violence, and is a gateway drug to harder substances like heroin and cocaine. So naturally, our benevolent approach as a conscious society is to get users the help and understanding they need in a safe, secure environment. Tardine's tongue lolled out of her mouth while her eyes crossed the whole time Nurse Fossbender spoke. She had tried to make a joke of it, but she was too furious and unable to listen. She jumped up as soon as the nurse got done talking and walked to the center of the room, hunching over so she was at eye level with the rest of the patients. Tara pointed enthusiastically to an elderly woman who looked like the dictionary reference hollow for a grandmother. Excuse me, ma'am, have you ever done heroin? The woman shook her head weakly. No, that's a shock. Tara next pointed to an Indian boy, barely 18, who wore the expression of someone caught masturbating. What about you, son? You look like you do cocaine for sure. Ever tried it? No, dog no, the boy said defensively. Nurse Fossbender's voice pealed. 
patient Dean. That is quite enough. You cannot address the group unless the MC is talking to you directly. Tara spun towards the nurse and flashed a jade eye of rage. MC? What, you a rapper now? She turned back to the group, going down the line. What about you, friend? Tried cocaine? No. What about you? Heroin? PCP? No. The Indian boy said absently to the woman beside him, loud enough for all to hear. I don't even like smoking marijuana. Tardine wheeled back to him. Oh, no. You're in the wrong place now, son. Better learn to like that Mary, because apparently you've only got three options. Which is it going to be? Weed, nicotine, or coffee? All three? Now what about you, buddy? The middle-aged man in a crisp polo said, Coffee makes me poop. I like didruxostem. Tardine spun on Nurse Vossmunder and looked her square in the eye. This guy likes stems. What, speed's okay since a doc's pinged the dude a script? Someone please give me a float. Beamot is a charade and we're the dupes paying for it. Nurse Fossbender could have passed for an angry walrus. Ms. Dean, kindly return to your seat and I'll be happy to tell you that yes, stems are acceptable if they're prescribed by a physician. They assist citizens diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome. Addiction treatment is not a joke. It's a public health service provided by the government for all North Americans who need it. The two women squared off in the middle of the room, Tardine shouting right back, Provided by the government until tax season rolls around and the rest of us have to foot the bill. Several people in the group laughed out loud. I mean, tell me, nurse, why doesn't the bill for a motorized heart transplant go on my taxes? That's covered, but we have to pay for this crap out of our own pockets. Tardine had known herself long enough to realize when she had not only reached the line, but crossed it. Satisfying the fury of the moment was all that remained. Nurse Fossbender barked angrily. Young lady, you will sit down or I'll be forced to call security. All we are asking for is an admission of guilt before we're moving on to the next. Tardine interrupted her own face, turning red. Admit that I'm guilty of violating a bullshit law? La law exists at the will of the people. Not your will, Miss Dean. It's a law designed to keep you from finding this sort of trouble in the first place. Horse crap, scowled Tara. Did you ever stop to think that maybe the law is the problem, not us? She swung her arm around, gesturing to the whole group. Maybe we work our asses off four days a week, pay our taxes, and when we get home, we want to make up our own minds about how to get high. Nurse Fossbender took on the gaze of a rhino preparing to charge. Enough! She spat, eyes bulging. Either you sit down, or I paying security. Which is it? Tardine sidled up until she was 12 centimeters from Nurse Fossbender's nose. She had to look up to meet the big woman's gaze. The nurse's face was red and puffy. It made Tara happy to see the nurse shaking as she enunciated every word. I'd rather spend 29 days in solitary than listen to you spew this regurgitated CNED filth. Nurse Fossbender sniffled and raised her chin, looking admonishingly around the room. Here we see, firsthand, the deleterious effects of alcohol-induced psychosis. 
She pulled her holotab free and made a couple of busy swipes, then looked straight at Taradine and spoke as though a dove was resting on her tongue. You pitiful thing. Even after 24 hours in the hospital, I can smell the booze on your breath. All 50 kilograms of Taradine bowed up and got even closer to the nurse's face. Yeah, Bertha? Well, I can smell your pussy from here. Maybe I should be the one pinging security since it smells fucking toxic, you fat cow. That was it. Nurse Fossbender had dropped her holotab on the floor as Taradine said the words fat and cow. The whole room made an audible ooh at the sound of the device's cracking glass. The nurse pressed the comboed interface on her jaw to reping security and screamed, You ungrateful little California slut! You will not disrupt my therapy group! Security has been notified! Kindly get out of my personal space before I lock you up and eat the key! She pushed her finger into Tardine's chest. Tardine latched onto the big woman's arm and twisted, but the weight advantage belonged to Nurse Fossbender. She grabbed Taradine's forearm and hurled her easily across the room, knocking over one horrified male patient and a couple of empty chairs folded against the wall. Taradine landed square on top of a man with her breasts in his face. Sorry about that. The man smiled like a fool. Uh, not a problem. Nurse Fossbender made fists as she screamed at her combat again. Security! Group therapy six! Taradine pushed herself off the fellow like he was part of the floor and charged. Voices and footsteps could be heard in the hall. Nurse Fossbender readied herself for another toss, but Taradine was small and fast. She spun behind and grabbed her red hair, causing the nurse to shriek wildly. Cut! Nurse Fossbender tried to reach around and grab the girl, but Tara was too agile. Instead, Fossbender elected to fall over and pin this maniac patient to the floor. The two women tumbled sideways, knocking into Melky O'Brien and the Afghan, scrambling and scratching across the thin commercial carpet. Everyone in the room was on their feet, shouting light plastic chairs flying as the two kicked and wrestled. The other patients began heckling as though it were a boxing match. Ooh, that looked like it hurt. Damn! Oh, mama nurse got that shit. Uh-oh, she bit her, she bit her! The door's security magnet scanned green and two large men in all-white uniforms pressed in past the circle of B-Mod patients excitedly watching the fight. The orderlies grabbed Nurse Fossbender and Taradine to separate them. Another nurse and orderly appeared seconds later. The new nurse raised his hands and spoke emphatically to the patients. Everyone, this meeting is over. Please return to your rooms. The patients began to file out, each systematically looking over their shoulders at Taradine with awe as they passed single file into the hall. Tara was breathing heavily. Her sweatshirt was ripped and there was blood under her fingernails. Her cheek was bright red where she had been slapped by the wedding ring. In her right hand, she still clutched a fistful of red, wiry hair. The two orderlies detained her as a third grunted awkwardly, trying to help Nurse Fossbender get back on her feet. The orderlies held Taradine back as she howled, Do I still smell like booze, bitch? Nurse Fossbender stood cattywampus in one orange clog. Her oversized blouse was untucked, missing a couple of buttons, allowing her substantial pale belly to hang out publicly. She had scratch marks on her neck and her eyeliner was running down her cheek in a great black smear. One of the orderlies bent over to pick up her other shoe and hand it to her. She grabbed the shoe and hissed at the man. Lock Miss Dean in her room for the duration of her stay. She'll be handling her recovery in isolation. She turned to leave then grabbed the orderly's wrist as an afterthought. Mark, 
Also get an appraiser down here from IRS to assess the damage to the therapy room so we can make sure to add the expense to Ms. Dean's claim. Her eyes squinted malevolently. I'm sure her mother will be pleased to pick up the tab. The Lawrence Journal World December 17, 2079 Car Explosion Mutilation in Hospital Docking Lot Your Tencent Federal News by Martin Ringle, LJW Lawrence, Kansas Firefighters and sheriff's deputies were pinged to Douglas County's Greystone Behavioral Modification Hospital shortly after 3 a.m. this morning following reports that a hovcar had exploded in flames in the docking lot. Remote witnesses say the perpetrator, a Miss Tara Dean, age 25, from New Riverside, California, is suspected of using black market gasoline in the arson. Citizen Dean was released from Greystone BMOD December 15th after serving a standard 30-day rehabilitation for Level 2 federal citizen alcohol violations perpetrated in the state of California, and now has been reinstitutionalized as an L3 violator by emergency federal directive. Anonymous sources, citing complications in the patient-caregiver dynamic, assume that this arson was an act of reprisal against the owner of the hovcar, Greystone BMOD RN Marlene Fossbender. Complicating events further, four organic German shepherds used as guard dogs on the grounds of Greystone Medical were savagely mutilated in the minutes leading up to the hovcar's explosion. Two human security guards were on their way to intercept the trespasser, Ms. Dean, when, as one guard stated, We saw something black rushing along the perimeter fence. Our dogs went wild and gave chase, run off behind one of the outbuildings, and next thing we hear... This hideous yipping, then our dogs screaming, this noise, it was unnatural. Chief of Hospital Security Andy Gordon says that by the time human guards arrived on the scene 45 seconds later, there was nothing left of the German shepherds but bones, blood, and fur. Chief Gordon is quoted directly. <clears throat> These chefs were tough, and the primal life, so whatever killed them, I can't, I, I'm sorry, I can't, no more questions. At present, there is no known connection between the arson event perpetrated by Tara Dean and the attack on Greystone Medical's security staff. Thank you for reading today's Tencent Federal News, sponsored by Geodrone. January 2080. Two years. Nine months before event. Nurse Fossbender put her hand in the seam of Tara Dean's hospital gown and ripped it open, exposing the girl's breasts. She bent over and put one of the perfectly round nipples in her mouth, giving it a little suck while saying, Do you like the way this feels as much as I do? Tardine did her best under the biobrace to keep her head turned away, still trying to focus on her blue jeans hanging in the closet. The vocal inhibitor on the side of her neck burned. It felt like a stale biscuit lodged in her esophagus. No matter what happened, blue would always be her favorite color. A thin trail of saliva from the woman's mouth rolled down the soft curve of chin flesh and soaked into the fabric of Tara's gown. Nurse Fossbender continued, eyes illuminating. This is what you get for messing with the master. Did you really think you were going to show up here, drunk, torch my hovcar at my hospital and get away with it? You thought I'd just let that go? She grabbed Tara Dean's hair and forced her gaze. 
You need to look at mommy when I talk to you, since your own mommy doesn't really care now, does she? Tardine closed her eyes. At least she could do that. The tears would not stop. She could feel the hot beads of saliva dribbling on her cheek as the woman went on. You got away with your first hospital visit because you were only 14. Charge Nurse Young was a traditionalist piece of trash. You got away with your level 2 visit. Got to spend all 28 days in isolation with doctor visits only. Because you staged that scene in group therapy made it look like I attacked you. Cracked your rib and all. But what about this time, eh, cunt? Nurse Fossbender put three fingers together on her left hand and stuck them in her mouth, smacking her lips in Taradine's face as she pulled them out, glistening wet. The girl's legs were parted, forced wide by the pressure of the biobraces. The nurse raised Taradine's gown, pulled her underwear aside, and shoved all three fingers in. The expression of agony on patient 373C's face pushed Nurse Fossbender over the edge. The big woman reached between her own legs, parting the thigh flesh, and began to touch herself with her other hand. I've been waiting for this night. Oh, little schedule shift, and now here I am, and you can't do a goddamn thing about it, cunt. Nurse Fossbender's body jiggled as her pleasure intensified. Tardine turned her head away miserably while the nurse rammed her fingers in and out, heaving eagerly. She tried to let her mind drift. The pain was excruciating. Any dissociation she tried quickly proved hollow. Why don't the eyes work? Because I let her hate me from the start. Got her angry. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Nurse Fossbender was close to orgasm. She stood laboriously and put her mouth back on Tardine's nipple, heaving with joy. I'm gonna love standing there watching while the... Drill scrambles your brain. The nurse came. The air around the hospital bed was tinged with the odor of her sopping. Tara winced through blinding tears at the damp slapping sound the woman's legs made when they came together after she had finished. The nurse extracted her right hand from beneath her own skirt. As she pulled her other hand from between Tara Dean's legs... Nurse Fossbender grabbed the girl's clitoris between her thumb and forefinger and twisted it violently. The girl's face wrenched with anguish as she screamed uselessly against her burning vocal inhibitor. That's what you get for trying to flip me attitude. I'm your master, whore. The nurse wiped her right hand all over Taradine's face until it was dry. Drill through the eye or not, I don't want you to ever forget who won. So you tell me, how's my pussy smell now? Nurse Fossbender laughed at the world. She was quietly victorious. It was one of the few completely successful experiences of her entire life. She relished leaving this girl in a smear of jizz and tortured tears. She touched the diode on the vocal inhibitor and the nanotubes instantly extracted themselves. She snapped up the small silver disc and slid it into her pocket innocuously. Tardine's vocal cords would remain paralyzed for another five minutes. Nurse Fossbender walked out of the room, returned to the nurse's station, and reactivated all the standard security protocols for room 13, Hall A, on her holotub. It was so easy. It was as if none of it had ever happened. Unless there was a security breach, which was impossible, no record of her shutting down observation would ever be flagged in a GovCloud audit. 
The sound of patients moaning in the distance was no longer annoying, but she turned up the computer jazz anyway. She knew Taradine hated it. The yellow streetlight poured in just as it had before, suddenly refreshing in its familiarity like sunshine. The nurse eased back into her chair, thinking for a moment. Then she tore open another hemp butters bar and devoured it ravenously as she waited for her shift to end. She would have a couple of hours to go home and rest before patient 373C's 8 a.m. surgery. Her wife Lucinda would bring her a cup of coffee, some hemp flour pancakes with blueberries and syrup for breakfast. It was going to be a beautiful morning. This concludes Chapter 1.5 of The Eighteenth Shadow, Phase 1, Dawn of the Courtesan. Please visit johnleegraftonbooks.com to sign up for The Eighteenth Shadow mailing list. On johnleegraftonbooks.com, you can also download the free digital box set containing the first three books in the six-part series. The free box set is available in Kindle format as well as Smashwords, Kobo, and Barnes & Noble Nook. Remember, citizens, Kindle isn't just a thing. It's a free app you can put on your phone to start reading the 18th Shadow box set today. Prefer paperback like it's 1981? Visit Prospero's Books at 1800 West 39th Street in Kansas City, Missouri, where every phase of the 18th Shadow is available built of glue, ink, and compressed dead trees, the way books were meant to be read by real North Americans. Until next time, this is your author and narrator, John Lee Grafton, reminding you to spay and neuter your pets. And remember, if it's not cannabis, kids, don't smoke it. This has been a public service announcement of the 18th Shadow Radio. For more information, please visit johnleegraftonbooks.com. <laughs>